This is the Sounding Board Podcast with Hachi and Damo. Thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Nice to have your company on the sounding board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to drink wise. This is episode 29 of series six. So many places at which we could start today. Uh, a lot of them are doom and gloom. And for that reason, Hutchie, as I say hello to you, Craig Hutchison, I'm going to start in a in a happy space. I, I want to talk about, just off the top, Hutchie, we'll get doom and gloom soon. We have to. We've got curfews uh, now uh, affecting our lives again. But uh, the field of dreams, Major League Baseball's, Field of Dreams, taking baseball, Major League Baseball, to a cornfield in Iowa. The pictures that went around the world and the memories that they brought back for the fantastic movie all those years ago, Field of Dreams, I thought was one of the sporting highlights this decade. You're a romantic in sport, Damo. I am. Hello to you. I am. How how ironic that you are talking about a game manufactured in a cornfield when we can't take our kids to a play field. On a Monday in Melbourne, it is a stark contrast. I wanted to start somewhere nice, Hutchie. But, you know, it, you're a little bit late to the party on this. It's been, you know, you, you're 24 hours late. Did you see that as if you, you weren't even following the media? The, the build-up was amazing. I think I texted you three days before it happened. You were late to the party. Kevin <laughs> Kevin Costner's setup was I'm pretty sure I texted you before you texted me about this. Kevin Costner's setup was magnificent. Yeah, it was. The way that the players seemed to evaporate through the fields was a sensational visual. And, and it made everyone quite emotional. I don't know whether it was the pandemic or... Mm. Memories of childhood or favourite movies or all of the above. Yeah. But it, had, it was symbolic, wasn't it? It, it was. was. It was. And it reminded you what sport can be when it's brave enough to get outside of its... And it was, wasn't it? And even hearing the, the uh, athletes themselves, the Yankees players, saying that there was actually a, a technological issue, that they were almost playing it like the old days where there were no computers to, to access and no technology. Wonderful. Yeah. And that's what sport can be when it's brave and bold, Damo. And then they got a, a ripping game, which isn't always the case in baseball. They got a... I can only... A walk-off homer at the end when you know, the, the you know White Sox did that. I'm really glad we're discussing this after the event. Because imagine six months ago, if, if it was first floated, we were having this conversation. Our conversation would have gone something like this. I would have said, how about that great idea that MLB have come up with? They're going to play a game in the original. And you would have gone, oh, please. Of all the things you could be focused on right now, that'll never work. Why would that ever work? You're going to go and waste taxpayer money and build a like a venue. You'd have been cynical until you saw it with your own eyes. All of a sudden, you're you're a believer. Archie, I'm glad you've convinced yourself of this uh, this outlook that I you, you claim I take on every single issue because it obviously amuses we you. We got to avoid the pesimeter, which was fantastic. So we went straight to how good it was. Importantly, it rated its socks off. It, it was the, it was the greatest regular season game TV ratings for 21 seasons. So sport fundamentally needs to be bold. Too much regulatory issues, too much compliance, mm. too much people justifying their jobs, their roles, their boards, stakeholders. So much gets in the way of good common sense things to do like that and great natured progress. I thought it was fantastic. Just on that point, before we move off that, the point you just made there too, uh, the, the the dumbing down and the roboticizing, if that's a word, Hutchie, of AFL at the moment, where every single person that runs out for a team is meant to be the equal to the one next to him. I'm I'm over it. The the star has disappeared, hasn't it? It has. Well, I mean, let's go a step further. You compare the MLB experience to the Tasmanian conversation for a moment. Why do we need a report? We've had a garlic report, which went for months 10 years ago. I forgot about the garlic report. So Simon Gallic, who is currently the chief executive officer of the uh, Fremantle Dockers, previously that role at the Western Bulldogs, former player himself, very good player at two footy clubs. I forgot about that report that he did. He did a report into the future of Tassie footy, which was 
evidently a very good report. We never saw it. It was largely uh, ignored right. in recommendations. Otherwise, we'd have a team or a plan by now. And now we're going into another report. Okay, I've got a bit of an issue here. We better get a report. Colin Carter going to a report. Now, it's huge respect for Colin, but in essence, the report says we could either A, start a team there, B, relocate a team, or C, a mix of the two. Like, what, what was the report designed to do? Was it designed to, to get us a team or to rule a team out? It was designed to buy us more time. It was designed to buy more time. And, and to make the decision someone else's down the track. No doubt about that in my mind. Like, <laughs> look, look I, this, I is where, this is where my Pezzy meter, whatever you want to call it, yep. Hutsy, and my cynicism meter does kick in a bit. Like, honestly, <laughs> you don't need, so, like, he, he, Collins, everything Colin said was true. He said, if you go alone. It's going to cost a bit of money. It'll need to be. He's, it's going to cost a bit of money. It'll need to be underwritten by the state government. The state government have already offered to underwrite the team. We didn't need a report to reaffirm that. They said it in their press conference. And there's 18 teams in the competition right now. We could relocate one. They won't be among the best teams the day they start. If they start on their own, they'll be in the bottom third. If they merge with someone else, they'll be in the middle third. Well, I reckon he could have got he could have got ten people at the pub to tell you that. To be honest, yeah. Like <laughs> fundamentally. Do, does the AFL want a team or not? No. <laughs> if the answer is no, just tell them. Just say, look, it's, we've got a bit on our plate at the moment, unfortunately. We it's can't, not the way they do business. We can't do it. If they do want a team, hmm. you don't need all this rigmarole and reports and feasibilities. Just put the team in. The problem the problem that Tasmania's got, and, and I love the way Peter Gutwin, the uh, the Premier, has just gone, he's not buying this. He's put him in a pocket. He's, yeah, he's just gone rogue, and no one goes rogue on the AFL. Uh I love how he's done that because it's a different way of approaching business. He just said, well, you're not, you want our money? Give us a team. Otherwise, there's no money. So that, that's interesting in itself. Uh, but what, what, he, what he does need to get his head around, I'm sure he knows this, Hutchie, the way the constitution of the AFL is established, you need 12 of the 18 clubs to actually endorse yeah. the 19th license component to it. So unless he starts lobbying 12 clubs, and I can't see, I can't see one club, let alone 12, endorsing it. Can I, you? I am full of empathy for the pandemic they're in, the problems that they've got and the issues that they're dealing with. Yep. And if you, you, you would only know if you're in that chair how big those issues were. So if that's the answer, look, we can't deal with this for five years because we've got too much on our plate. Just tell them and just be honest. The, the stringing, them, stringing Tasmania along does does no good for anybody. Well, put, you, put your business hat on it. I, would you, I'll tell you, what I would you make a 19th license? I would have said, you're in. Here's the number you need to write. Write me that check, and you're in. You're the 19th team. It's not that simple, and actually. I'll, and I'll get I'll get you the club vote. It's not that, that simple. He can carry, he'll can he, carry can write, he could possibly write the the figure for one year or two years, but this is not the issue. The if issue it's a is, government underwrite, it's a it's the most foolproof financial model in the whole competition. It ranks one. Who else is getting underwritten by the 48 cents of tax that wealthy people pay? But you'd, you'd have to underwrite it. On your logic, on that you way of entry, for, for 15, 20 years as a starter. You could do this deal on a napkin, Damo, seriously. Oh, like, you, you and your napkins. Like, honestly, it's not that hard. Just commit to it and go. I, I would have gone. I would have said, this is the fundamental, what the money right. needs to look like. You're in a New York bar. I've seen you do this many times. You, you ask the one of the, the waiters for a pen and you use the yep. napkin that you've had sitting, your, your beer and your other drinks on. What is on that napkin? One Here's the upfront check. <laughs> Which gonna, is what? We'll, we'll talk numbers. Well, we need an upfront check. I'm going to fish some of that out to the other clubs as an act of goodwill. Well, um, from, what, from the Tassie government? Yeah. Well, you're going to give Tasmanian government money to other clubs? Well, uh, did they ask? 
Surely just ask. So is there a check here for everyone else? I've never known someone to spend money better when it's not theirs than you. One, is there an upfront check for us? Two, this is the amount of money that you need to underwrite a team every year. I think the turnover of the eighth-ranked team is $50 million, So can you underwrite $50 million of revenue for this team, regardless of whether the sales team is successful or unsuccessful, and whether people go or don't go? Can you do that? Can you do it for 20 years? Right. <laughs> now we're talking big money now. What's that? That's... Um, number three, what's the stadia situation look like? You know, we need stadia Hang upgrades on, in 50 hope. mil times 10 years, Archie. I'm only just spitballing numbers. You need to underwrite the numbers. You need to underwrite um, infrastructure. Hmm. And I suspect a lot of this was in their, their prezo anyway. There'd be a version of this in their prezo anyway. So you, why wouldn't you just interrogate the numbers and then say, right, if you can do all that, we'll get the votes. I'll, I'll ring around and get you the 12 clubs you need. Is it any harder than that? It's not happening though, is it? Just risk averse everywhere. Everyone's risk averse. Anyway, that's I, I think I'm a big believer in Tassies, you know, having its own team. Are you? Hundred percent. I haven't heard you say that before. Of course they deserve a team. And if they can't get North Melbourne to go there, which is the logical thing to do, then go you gotta go and start one themselves. Well North has said again it's not going. Yeah, that's not yeah. Eve. That's the wrong view. Is it? Yeah. How can North, Why not, is that the wrong how can North not, ex- not explore it, honestly? Can, explain to me this, right? You just don't care for history, for nostalgia, for romanticism. Why do? Why are we so obsessed where players sleep at night during the week? No one goes to Arden Street to watch training. The sausage sizzle days are over. We haven't been there since Dennis Pagan was on the boundary line. Well, doing you're not allowed to go press. anyway. They're closed yeah. sessions anyway, Hutchie. So remove so, that part of it. Yeah, I'll give you that. So if you're a kangaroo fan yep. and you can still get roughly the same number of games in Melbourne or a couple less, yep. why do you care where they sleep? Why are we so obsessed with, oh, I can't leave North Melbourne? What, they're not actually, like the public, when was the last time you saw them in the suburb of North Melbourne? Oh, when I went to a two years ago? press conference probably two years ago. Yeah. yeah. So why Three, do you, maybe, maybe four or five years ago so when I think about it. Why do you, and I grew up in North Melbourne, Hutchie, as why you Why do know. you care where Ben Cunnington sleeps at night? If he sleeps in Hobart? I, I don't care. Or he sleeps in the Arrowville? I don't care where he does. Why does, it, why does it matter so much to people? Well, it matters to him. I mean, think, think of relocating. It. And this, this is the part of this Tasmanian argument that gets, gets the people fighting for it really angered. Not one of them lives in Tassie. Yeah, but they can choose to go or get traded out or not go. No, or... no, but the greatest... Fighters for this project all live basically in Melbourne. Yeah, but who cares where anyone lives? I don't reckon oh, that's a reasonably important part of your life, Hutchie. Yeah, but there it's will, a there will be players. You wouldn't want to live in Tassie, and co- I'd have no problem living in Tassie. There would be players or coaches. Where would you live? Um, Claire's family's from Margate, around there, Kingston, somewhere, North Hobart. The there would be players. He's not big enough for you. Players Hutchie. and coaches that would that would live there, and they might not be the exact same players and coaches, but it's not. It's a beautiful place. Honestly, I know. It's I've... such a flawed argument. The whole thing, anyway. All right. Hey, uh, Winks went around last night. He did go around last night. Nick McKenzie, the uh, I tell you what, the, the 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 best journalist in the history of journalism in the world. I tell you what, uh, the network nine, the Age, and the Sydney Morning Herald. They knew they had some good stuff because did they run him through the mounting yard for three days in the lead up? <laughs> they trumpeted. They gave it the full Winks on the on the track. I couldn't work out what the story was about until it started. He's he's now at the level where you don't give any idea of what it is. You just say he's running. It just said, (laughs) "Hey, we've got a really big story, but it's you." And it didn't didn't say anything more than that. That's when it got me though. It got me. You've gone past the level when you're getting promoted. The point where your content isn't even part of the promotion. It's just you. Yeah. You go. Okay, he's going around on Sunday night. 
This will yeah. be. This will be. And it was and, and it lived up to. Can you explain this to me? Mm. How can Nick McKenzie? Now you've turned your your paper over, which was your napkin a moment ago for the Tassie deal. Yep. So you're still scrolling. So I'm interested in what you're scrolling here. And how can Nick McKenzie mm. send a private operative into the neo-Nazi world? Yeah, I know. Get months of vision on tape. <laughs> yep. Right. Yep. And then, and then take that to ASIO. Isn't the job of ASIO to go and do that work and then see the journalist can find out about it? How, how, how is this bloke? And I reckon what happened is this. The, the promo said in his first ever interview, the head of ASIO sits down with the 60 Minutes. This is how I reckon that went. <laughs> Actually, tell me that because I, yep. I did see that, that person being oh, quoted got, on my, camera and I thought, I don't think that's is, normally a position you go on record with. So tell me what you think's happened This is here. my theory. Okay. Head of ASIO Media Department, Nick McKenzie, give us a call unreturned. Second call, third call, email. You might, we might, you might find we've got a story that's going to have a very big impact on you. You might finally, need to not might want to know about it. Finally, the media manager rings back. <laughs> Nick says, "We've got vision of months and months of infiltration of neo-Nazi activity in Australia, and it's it's damning, it's disgusting, it's disgraceful." The head of ASIO says, "Well, we need to see it." And Nick says, "Not without the big dog sitting down to have an interview with me." <laughs> No, that's not going to happen. Well, we're not getting the vision. Then there's a standoff for a couple of weeks. And then at some point, they threaten to subpoena the vision. Yep. And Nick says, take me on and go for it. And they don't do it. And in the end, in the end, yep. this is just a wild theory. In the end, the head of ASIO does not want to look, not, doesn't want to be presented in a way that they missed doing the work. So the compromise is reached between the media manager and the head of ASIO that they will sit down and do this a limited... And this do is a, our most elite body hutch yeah. detecting this stuff. And we'll do a limited interview because do you know it wasn't a, it wasn't really an in depth. It was just it was a few grabs. Did you did you think that it wasn't a here's a thirty five minute interview and we're going to use three grabs. It was a it was a conditional interview. I thought I suspect it was a trade off for the vision. He did enough to get the vision, and the part of the quid pro quo was please don't point out that we should have been doing this work in the first place in the story. And so the story gets presented of we've gone undercover and ASIO are concerned about what they're seeing. But the, at no point did the story say, where's ASIO been doing this work on our behalf? That's my theory. I would like to have thought ASIO was across it. It's not their vision. It was Nick McKenzie's vision. <laughs> Tell me, that's it. Yeah, pl- please, that was all opinion. I don't know any of that to be right or wrong. I'm having a little bit of mirth with it. It's a very serious topic, by the way. It was extraordinarily good journalism. Thank goodness that... People like Nick McKenzie exist to call out disgraceful behaviour like this that we can see and understand. And there would have been significant knock-ons today in workforces around Australia. When you see vision like that of, of clandestine meetings in the country, at, um, at establishments that are well-known around town, of that undercover camera nature, does your mind immediately go to, where's the camera? Always, yeah. Because I couldn't work out... Was it on a bag, like a satchel? Was it on a, on a button in a shirt? Was it on a cap? Was it was it somehow part it sewn like, into your clothing? Yeah, I thought it was either a button or a sleeve pocket or something. Some similar. of it was low, wasn't it? Some of the vision was coming up. Yep. Yeah. If if and also my mind went to what was in it for the whistleblower? Was he was he mm. paid? Well, you know, it would have to have been a decent number to risk your safety like that. You'd think. Well, immediately the people that have now been exposed for this behaviour, which will be investigated by various authorities, including employers. Um, they know who the person is, obviously. Yep. And I think... And that, that, that carries an element of risk, I would have thought. It looked like the story began with a tip-off from that Grampians. If you read through the... If you, if you waded through... Or did the, you want... Did you... Did, were you sort of, we are made to think that. We are made that. to think that, yeah. yeah. Sometimes there's a red herring in a story like that, isn't there? Yep. 
throws you off the centre who the real source is. Because I was trying to work out where it came from, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, think that I could guess whatever I, Nick McKenzie's up to. The fact that the key guy in, in question was the same guy that turned up in the lobby of Channel 9 and wasn't lost on me either. Like, no, no. It did look like they were a little bit... Um, Put this way, I wouldn't have been disappointed to know that he was the subject, given or, the disgraceful or behaviour. Or did that did that incident at Channel Nine actually Better look into this spark guy. the? Have a look into this guy. I, that's what yeah. I thought when I because I once I drew that line to him, yep. I thought that's potentially where it started. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, well done to Asia for sitting down, but I can't imagine that was um, anything other than a, a deal. What did you think? Of, what do you think about theory? <laughs> think it's got some truth to it. It's got some. It's it's it'll be something that that could be feasible. Yeah. Because when he had the pitches, he had enormous currency in the security world because mm. there's no way someone like Asia lets them go to wear on television without seeing them first, even if they have to make an uncomfortable subject available for interview. Have you negotiated like that in yeah. the past? Yes. <laughs> yep. So can, have you. Can, can you. Can you enlighten us specifically? Well, I just think when you've got, when you've got vision that cuts into someone's role – there's a desperation to see them. You think about that. Have you ever not run vision by way of a trade-off? Yep. Really? Yep. So the, well, so the trade-off component was better than the story itself? Can be, yeah. Although pictures, tell pictures of the whole world, right? But we've talked about this in the past. I'm not saying it's right, wrong. Yeah. I've just reflected on my younger days of journalism. I was trading the whole time. But you're, no, I don't say that with any pride. It was just what I, what I did. Oh, no, it's, it's part of the craft. You, but we're probably talking, you're talking about football officials, sometimes three, four IC in charge of footy clubs. We're talking about ASIO here, actually, with Nick McKenzie's stories. Yeah, it, it, my best guess was that was a trade. We'll give you all the, all the long-form vision, mm. all, the pre, all the B-roll, the whole, we'll, we'll let you know who our spy was, you know, providing he's comfortable. Or maybe that didn't go into the deal, but... You know, this is everything we can give you, and in exchange, you're going to sit down so we can promote for the first time. Head of Asia speaks to sixty minutes. Now, I, unless you know Nick McKenzie, pretty fair deal around, right? If it was, don't you think both sides got to win? You get the story still yep. stands. Were you outraged by what you saw? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's just as uncomfortable as you can. It was sickening. Guess. It was sickening. Yeah. I just don't know how people can think that way. It was absolutely appalling. I don't know what any of it's based on. I just don't know what any of that. To know that's going on around ideology is based on. Yeah, absolutely appalling. And, and unless you're a, a social acquaintance of, of Nick McKenzie or, or a friend, Hutchie, that, that would be the scariest message you'd get on your phone, wouldn't it? If you missed the call, hi, it's Nick McKenzie. Can you please call me? Yep, unlisted number, encrypted. Well, no- he's probably got an encrypted number now, hasn't he? Oh, he's probably. <laughs> he would he'd have. need to, wouldn't yep. he? But would that that would be if you if you're up to something and you know you shouldn't be up to something and you've got that message on your phone that you're in trouble. What, he's being well trained by. Um, I'm not sure who he's. Um, Chris Waller is at nine, but he's being very well trained. They don't overrun him. They run him every three, four months. They allow him the time to build things properly. They don't waste him on. They don't waste so him. It's on a bit gym. like a mahogany campaign, yeah. where just one or two runs a campaign. Yeah. He's more like a heavyweight title fighter. You don't actually. Go, he doesn't fight on the undercard, or <laughs> you don't muck around unless it's a big pay per view. And then when he's on, you know, it's a big fight. He doesn't. He, when was the last time you saw him do something of no substance? I'll tell you what he has got to. His presentation's grown enormously in a television sense. Yeah, you're big on this. You yeah. talked about this last time he was on camera. You felt that he was almost acting last time. Which... The pageantry of the TV craft, he's, he's, he's really grown in. There was a scene Even last the night. he's in the car and he's on the desk. And... <laughs> yeah. There was a scene last night. He was, he was, wasn't he down like an abandoned, under a bridge somewhere in the middle of darkness, 
just happening to make the most crucial phone call of the whole investigation, just under the bridge at yeah. night. But what it does. With the cameras on him. It's, it's really, we're having a, a laugh about that, not the subject. What, what it does, though, is it, it's good for the story because that story needed to be told. People needed to be alarmed by it. And, the, and society needs to take significant action on those on those horribly racist people. Yeah. Right? In order to give it the maximum impact, it does need the the theatre the theater around yeah. it, I think. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, a bit to play out with it. Um, just on, on him before we, we sign off, um, the whole, and again, this is, this is not a topic I want to talk about, Hutchie, because I don't understand it, but the Taliban going into Afghanistan with the whole Ben Roberts-Smith situation with um, advisors that were being used as part of the the defamation case that's been made against him by Ben Roberts-Smith and, and other legal action pertaining to it, that, that has got the potential to just fall by the wayside now, hasn't it? I don't know enough about the knock-on effects of the uh, takeover of the capital, but it, it doesn't. It, I know that's a really small part of what's going on in the world, but but no, that, that, that's the biggest court case we've seen this year. Like everyone, my, my heart and heart and thought is is with the people hmm. in that city who, through no fault of their own, are in a perilous situation. And yeah, you'd suspect it has a knock-on effect to that case in some way. While on so media, Hutchie, Hutchie, what what did you make of? And I know you've used on the ABC, and, and if you want to repeat them, repeat them, but. Louise Milligan, who is is a, an investigative journalist herself and, and is outstanding at what she does, uh, during the week it was revealed that she has agreed to pay MP Andrew Lamming a sum of money. Now, it's anywhere between $75,000 and, 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 or more, but it, let's work with that figure or thereabouts. City the Morning Herald said $79,000 okay. in damages over a series of, de- of defamatory tweets. Yep. And then subsequent stories, yep. according to sub- many, many subsequent stories, a lot of them being driven by News Limited, by the way, which has a history with the ABC, saying that the ABC itself, that her employer was covering the costs of that I've said Legal this, action. I've said this before. I think it's the absolute appropriate thing for them to do is to support her legal action, even though it's less uh, ideal that it was on her private Twitter and not on their platforms. Well, this is why I want to talk about it because it was on her yeah, account, but n- not on ABC and, platforms. And there are say. there are rules for some and rules for others in this area. But Louise is a highly credentialed, mm. highly successful product of theirs. Who is an investment of theirs into storytelling overall, and so you got to you can't be so you it, cut some slack. Is it, that what you're saying? It gets the chips on the table, and you can't you can't pick and choose that support when you are that chips in on someone that right. who is taking you know, high risk on your behalf yep. at times. So that's the view I would take, but I thought with your view of the ABC, you might have had a different if, view on this. Now, if that was if that was um, Mark Milligan, cadet reporter. I'd say in real trouble, not only not getting the, the fees paid, but probably in danger of losing their, their role. And, and runs on the board yep. absolutely plays a significant role, as does your investment in the product. Because at that level of journalism, they're not just journalists. They're actually part of the presentation of your news offering. Yep. So I, I think it was absolutely right. Then people carry on about you know taxpayer money and whatever. Like that, That's the right thing to do. Back your journalist okay. in, support your act. I, okay. I thought it was fair. All right, we'll end that conversation there because I thought I was going to be having a different view to you. I've said that before, by the way. Indeed, I've said I've the, the same, same thing with Miranda Devine in the New York Post when we spoke about it. About no, but that's not the ABC. That was News Limited. You you get, you get uh, picky on who and why. I'm just saying the act of... I get picky on who and why because you're on record a couple of times on this I'm platform not, talking about the ABC Justin, being based like a spaceship down there in Dockland or South Bank. And, Justin Langer. 
Can I just move on for a sec? Yep. I want to talk about this. I've got a very different view of this to probably what you'll have. Oh, actually, you might not because you work in the same confines. Don't, don't assume what I will have as a view, Hutchie, until Fair, okay. you hear me. Just There's two issues, two issues with Justin Well, Langer. set the story up. So the, the story leaked last week that Justin Langer and the team manager had a big blow-up with the uh, digital editor of, of Cricket, Cricket Australia. Of cricket.com.au yep. over the decision to run pictures ostensibly of Bangladesh celebrating a win over Australia yep. on cricket.com.au. And they blew a head gasket, according to the news. Now... Clearly, the biggest issue is a that's leaked out, and b Justin Langer's relationship and you know the pressure he's under. He's under siege. Yeah, yep. so that's the main story. That's been well covered. Let's park that to the left for a sec. Okay. Can we deal with the right and wrong of him being angry, and or the team manager being angry, whichever of the two that it was? Just yep. Adam Gilchrist on our SCNWA breakfast Friday said it was the team manager, not Justin. Regardless, I think uh, there's some truth in there somewhere about Justin also not being yep. unha- not being happy. Yeah. Yep. Now, in fact, in fact, sorry, let's just say, repeat that. There is truth in Justin not being happy too. And Daniel Cherney, I think it was, get, who broke the story. Let's get the source of this. Are they entitled to be unhappy with the pictures of Bangladesh celebrating a win over Australia running on the Australian the Cricket Australia website? Are they entitled to be unhappy? In, a, in an ideal world for, for Justin Langer and team manager, to answer your question, they're entitled to, to be unhappy. Should they be unhappy and should they harden up and realise this is 2021 and this is the way business is done? Yes, they should too. The the argument used was that you wouldn't see the West Coast putting up pictures of Fremantle celebrating the Derby win. You wouldn't, no. On the West Coast website. No. So for me, I have a, diff, you know, I have a slightly different view. What people don't understand is that Cricket.com.au, AFL.com.au, and generally speaking, MLB.com, they are not websites of the business. They are not corporate websites. No, they're, they're websites of the business. They're not websites of the team. Correct. There's a difference, Hachi. They are media platforms that cover the sports Yes, like any other website. And the Australian cricket team is, is the main team within that umbrella on it Cricket is. Australia. But, and it gets misunderstood a lot, and you get a bit of this flack. People say, oh, you work for the AFL. How can you write that? And how can you write this? A lot of people just can't get their heads around this. They are, those sites are designed to cover, to, to be competitive media outlets to cover the sport and yes. to add value to their owners by the way that they open the doors on coverage. Yep. And sometimes there's going to be some positive coverage. Sometimes there's going to be some not-so-positive coverage. But generally speaking, they seek to be no different to crickinfo.com and cover mm. the Australians like crickinfo.com. It's hard to ignore a result of a game too, as, as it was with Australia yeah. losing to Bangladesh in a T20 series. What they don't seem to be able to get through a lot of, particularly cricket, AFL's done better at it, is actually explain that to the people involved. Now, they need to be able to say to the Australian cricket team, our digital team are covering. If you're uncomfortable with anything they do, Flag it, raise it. Flag it, raise it. And you can, but you don't have final say. And it. you can restrict asset. But they are not our website. They are covering you like anyone else does. And you're going to have ups and downs with them like anybody else. Ultimately, they're an and, employer. And here, here, uh, Am I right in saying this? Ultimately, they're an employer as Justin Langer is of Cricket Australia. Is that right? Well, yeah. But here is the reason we, we are doing it. We are doing it to build- Sorry, like, an employee. Sorry, employee. We are building this site to create global traffic that will help- commoditise our business, that'll make it a shadow competitor to other media and that will allow us to reinvest that back into our business. But there's going to be some things on there you won't like from time to time. Mm. 
He's but under siege, though. How can he? he not understand that? He's under siege, though, and people don't think clearly when they're under siege, Hutchie. And he yeah. is he is under as much siege oh, as I any Australian person has been right now when it comes to cricket, and that's inclusive of some pretty big stories in cricket over the journey. I'm talking about the siege component to this now. So if I'm running cricket.com.au and there's great pictures of Bangladesh celebrating the win, I'm running it on the site. Hmm. You're not running a picture of the bowler who hasn't got a what? a profile, and that was part of the reason they lost. Who, who was playing? No one went. No, no one... Most most of the big names chose not yep. to go on this tour. I think it's absolutely fair and reasonable what they did. Yep. And I don't think he understood it. How often do you get it in your role where people ring, clubs might ring and say, how dare you on the AFL website? Yeah, I, I reckon I get it. But I'll tell you what, Hutchie, and, and I've said this, and, and I would say it if it was whatever the case. I have not been told what I can and can't say. I, I know where there's boundaries, and I know there's where there's, where there's issues. But I've been really critical, ultra critical of of a lot of things in the AFL, even in the last two weeks. About this holding the ball is is a mess. I mean, there's no football operations boss at the moment. I'm saying all this on the AFL's platform, and no one has said anything to me about stopping it. So that's that's how it should work, though, right? Yeah. Now that that may not be the case for every single topic. Well, you've got two choices. You can choose to be a corporate website and put out. And or you can choose to compete with media, and hmm. you're going to get much more traffic if you choose to compete and do meaningful content. If I you think choose, you will. If you choose to be just the, the voice of your business, it's going to be a lesser platform, less commercial, and more narrow in its approach. But but if Justin Langer was was winning series, he would have more clout in that argument too, because he would have a direct line to someone back in the corporate part yep. of it who would. Be more sympathetic to hearing him. There's natural tension, though, isn't there? Yeah, always there is. In those relations. There is. Yep. Yeah, anyway. Hachi, tell me what you made of the Jordan Degoe situation. And for those who um, are not familiar with him, Collingwood footballer uh, facing, and, until last week when the when the charge was, was dismissed through the courts, a serious charge. We don't even need to go into the detail because I, I don't think it needs to be um, relayed as to the specifics of this because I want to have the conversation about standing an athlete down while facing serious charge. I've long been of the view, Hutchie, the courts of the land are the only place to to deal with this matter. And I raise it this week because in some people's eyes, and I fully respect some people having a different view to this, but in some people's eyes, Jordan Degoe would have missed all of 2020, maybe bits of 2019 and all of 2021 on the back of being stood down for an issue. Now, I want to take him out of this conversation now because the charges themselves are not part of what I'm saying. I'm removing the specifics of Jordan Degoe, but standing down an athlete, be it a, be it a track and field athlete, be it a swimmer, be it a rugby league player, be it a squash player, while charges are at play, I, I think the authorities in the jurisdictions of the of the court in which they operate under are the right bodies to deal with, with that because his career could have been finished had he been stood down. It's a highly complicated matter. Highly complicated. And trying to understand your view on it is not cut and dried. So as a rule, I like the the NRL no-fault stand-down policy. Listening to to, um, Justin Quill last week talk on SEN Breakfast, he explained that the only reason the courts agreed to the no-fault stand-down was because of the enormous amount of incidents they had. So in other words, the NRL were in a point where it was so overwhelmingly many issues that it became of natural sequence of events to approve that deal by the courts. But you've got to actually get that rule up through the courts, as best I heard him say. As a rule, though, I like it. The, the sanction, though, the minimum threshold that the NRL have, 
Jordan Dugowie would not have met that sanction. No, no, no. But see, now, now you're getting subjective, Hutchie, and, and this is where it gets convoluted. You, you either have a stand-down policy or you don't. You, no. you, you don't have degrees of a stand-down policy. But the NRL do. That's what I'm saying. Oh, they, again, it'll be a, a retrofit on these things, Hutchie. And you know, I heard the same arguments that you've had, and I've heard the arguments when they first introduced it. It has to be... It doesn't wash. It has to be a sanction that could attract 11 years of jail or more. Well, 11 years in what jurisdiction? The New South Wales court system, the Queensland system, the, per, the WA a, system? Hang on a second. Whereas the Jordan case, as best I understand it, was, was two years or less in its, in its maximum sentence. So he wouldn't have qualified for that rule anyway. I heard uh, Jessica Heller has done a great job covering for the Australian say on our breakfast also that she had spoken to the NRL who say they would have used their discretionary power in a clause in that deal to sanction Jordan regardless. So she pushes back on the notion that Jordan wouldn't have gone because she said she's spoken to the NRL. We've taken her face value on that and they would have stood him down on the discretionary But they would have stood him down? Yeah. Okay, so what, what, what's, what's this 11-year thing you just mentioned then, if they would have stood him down anyway? No, they say there's a... Uh, a, another clause. Another clause. In yeah, well, so, so let, let's just stop and jump over these these specific clauses. You either stand down or you yep. don't. And and I want your view on it, Hutchie. I've, give, I've given you mine. I, I've given it before. I like the NRL rule. So so but under I, that, I, Jordan DeGoey wouldn't have played for two and a half years. But I, well, and, and then ultimately, we, we've got to base some based outcomes on no, something, I, Hutchie. And the courts of the land do it for me. Rather than a sporting organisation. Because the sporting organisation is compromised. I don't, I don't think when push came to shove... The NRL would have stood him down on that sanction, even though they may have. Well, said just listen to what you just did. said. We, we, we might, we may not, we could. It was 11 years, no, but we're standing down anyway. Listen, stop being so belligerent. I'm just passing on what everyone it's else said. It's pretty serious. It's pretty serious. A, a, a footballer has a, a lifespan on average of four years. I'm just passing on what everyone else has said on this. No, no, I no. Ever... I want your view. I don't want I'm... everyone else's view. I, gee, I don't want everyone else's view. Have, have an opinion. I like the NRL no fault stand down rule. I don't feel Jordan Dugowie should have been stood down, and I don't feel that the NRL would have stood him down either in that same circumstance, regardless of what they may have said so if it's a, to Jessica at the time. It's a pretty serious charge he was on. I just think there has to be a threshold. You're allowed to have a view. You, you, you don't hide beyond Justin Quill. What, what part of the last three sentences did, did not clear? I like the NRL rule. The players agree to it, so they must, they're must they on board with it. It's got to go through the collective bargaining agreement. They've established a level of no-fault stand-down. It's not cut and dried. It's not easy. You're damned if you do, if you're damned if you don't. The courts and the police don't deal with these things fast enough. That's my point. That's and, the and problem. And this is where I'm coming at it from. In a perfect this world. This is where I'm coming at it from. If a, it was going to be heard next week, absolutely stand yeah, down. I'm with you on that. In a perfect world, if these things were dealt with in two, three months or otherwise, you'd stand everyone down. Yes, if they were going to be dealt with in the next because, month, because, absolutely you'd stand down. Because but of the delays. They're not. People aren't stood down for that Because period. of delays in these things being heard, then I, I don't think you can do it unless the, unless the sanction is of significant level. Yep. Uh, we, as in we Victorians, uh, are now in, as of tonight, Monday night of this particular week, in, on curfew again, yep. aren't you? From, was it 9pm 9, 9 to 5am? Yep. Forgive my naivety, but what are we in curfew from? Like, if nothing's open mm. after nine, why do they have to need to tell you to be home by nine? Mm. What would you otherwise be doing after nine if nothing's open? Yeah. Can you explain that to me? Playgrounds have been shut down too because, and this was at the press conference, because parents get, mingle and, and while their children are playing on the, on the yeah. I mean, seriously. If they just said, playgrounds, don't walk at night time, wouldn't that have been enough than curfew? Like, what's, am I missing, I must I be missing know. something here. Is there a layer of things that people were otherwise doing at night that... 
Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, I mean, the only thing that sits outside that is the, is the bubble, the singles bubble. And that's pretty straight up, isn't it? There's a rule. I don't, anyway. I think it was more about sending a message to the community. And you did, like, driving around on the weekend, you know, drove into, into, um, into the office to do radio on Saturday and drove back. There was people. Everywhere. 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 Yeah. It was building. It, this was always coming, wasn't it? Mm. Um, it was, and, yep. And just to Dion Prestia for a moment. Richmond footballer. Yep. Now, never, ever, ever get photographed with alcohol in the shot. I've said this to before. Yeah. I've been saying this for 20 years. Like, you, nothing good comes from be, having a photo taken with alcohol in it. If you are if you happen to be having a drink, doesn't matter if it's a Carlton Zero or a Carlton Draft or anywhere in between, put the drink behind your back and don't be photographed in it because that will always be the photo that will be used. If that, you're with mates, though, Hutchie. Do not get, and And, again, I don't want to make light of what it is that he may face because um, obviously it's being looked at right now as to what he was doing on Saturday night, and so it should be looked at. It might well be explainable. But what, was the, what was the upside of, I mean, the downside of that photo, that photo will be used again and again and again. It'll be used on non, it'll be used on footballer behaving badly photos. It'll has be he used got a on, drink in his hand, does he? No, the others have got drinks around him. Oh, yeah, little, little shot sort of size bottles. Yeah, like the hotel minibar size bottles. And he's a good guy, so you can imagine how it happened. He just went, yeah, okay, I'll take a quick shot and move on. But honestly, no good. Hmm. Just an error of judgment, that. Let's head to question of the week time now. On the sounding board, it's our question of the week for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to Drinkwise. We'll go to Rob Baddeley from Singapore who has sent us this via email. When a club appoints an expert review of its football department and, quote, no question is off the table, what are they actually asking? Or is it simply cover for a preordained outcome that an incoming president and current CEO need to cite behind an independent review? Love the show. Currently listening in Singapore. I always have a dubious view of any organisation that requires independent people to come in from outside its watch hutchy to tell them how to do things I really do. Generally a boat race. And I reckon the use of the phrase there, preordained outcome, is often the case when such things happen. I'm not saying it is on Carlton's case. I think it is going to head down that way, by the way, but that would be my view as a a rule. Do you know what else they have a habit of doing? They have a habit of creating the outcome they're hoping to seek in the first place because... That's preordained. Yeah. Yeah. It it builds pressure. So Mm. if, if there wasn't enough... Say they were of the view they wanted to make changes and they didn't think the supporter group was in quite in step with them. Then you launch a review that creates negative immediate There's conditioning. Things, yeah, yep. it's a, it's a build-up. Yep. So there's clearly going to be change. It's just a matter of, of how. Also, too, then you get independent people in. Um, in the specifics of Carlton, one of those independent people is Jeff Walsh, Hutchie, who, yep. whose last job was at a football club who blew its own salary cap up and had to trade out three players of significant note last year in a, in a wave of scandal internally. Jeff Walsh was at Collingwood Footy Club when they traded out. So you think he was a poor choice? Oh, if that's your last job and last contribution as a full-time person. Now, at least he was in Victoria. At least he's in Australia. As in Matthew Pavlich isn't? Well, Pav's an absolute ripper, but he's a long way away. and He's in that state that and doesn't want to be part of Australia. No, Perth, but he, he, WA. I, I have no problem with him adding great value to the re- review, but you need 
Surely he needs Hang to be on. Through his name, I feel it. No, but he's a long way away. That's and, yeah. the, and the other way, Graham's in New Zealand, isn't he? Is he in New Zealand? Yeah, I didn't know he's in New Zealand. I know he's got New Zealand origins. So I didn't even know. Oh, I think he's there. I don't think. I think Jeff was the only person in Victoria. Now Jeff obviously wasn't solely responsible for what happened at Collingwood. And he might even be able to say he had not much to do with it. But he was football operations boss, uh-huh. Archie, at a footy club that has blown itself up and you're, in a way we haven't seen before. And when you leave, when you when you pick up a consultancy, which is what this is, hmm. after your last job, the memories of your last job evaporate quickly. All of a sudden, he's now he's being, an expert. All of a sudden, he's now being linked to the head of football role. Well, <laughs> he couldn't do a Grant Thomas, could he? And and look into it, and then take the job. Well, part of the trick is to say, look, we feel you need a really senior football figure. Who's you know? You know I'm not saying that's necessarily <laughs> me, but that's how, Jeff wouldn't do that. But that's what a lot of people oh, do. Jeff wouldn't do that. That's what a lot of people do in consulting. <laughs> they identify their own skill set and recommend it in the re- in the report. Remember when Grant Thomas thought that. Well, two footy clubs needed a new coach and then pitched yep. for pitch for the North Melbourne one after Shimmer got the boot and then went to St Kilda and may yep. have tried the same thing at St Kilda, Hutchie. People, Remember that? People need layers of consulting and paperwork and everything to justify a position these days, whereas yep. just say, this is how it is. <laughs> it's right. <laughs> I mean, oh, I, Don't you own the decision. Just own the decision. I'm not sure what changes he will or won't make, but if, if Luke came in and said, I've had a look at things, and these are the things that I'm doing, people would go, okay, this guy means business. Yeah. And they would fall in behind. Luke's been there for nine years already himself, actually. Yeah. It's overseeing a period where already four coaches have been moved yeah, on and appointed. That's a little bit lost in the narrative from time to time, isn't it? It can be. All right, well, yeah. So you got worked up there. What do you get so angry about? Because you don't give opinions. You, you, you hide behind other people who say things. I think the, I think the uh, Jordan Go issue is the most complicated issue I can think of in society right now. I can see both sides of the argument really well. Yeah, I can too. But I, I just wanted your opinion on it, and I, 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 don't, I don't think I got it. I don't have a, I don't have a crystally a crystallised view other than I think the NRL rules are a good one. With the asterisk on how you determine that, <laughs> Hachi, I've just been told that was actually episode twenty nine of series six of the sounding board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Thanks for listening to the Sounding Board Podcast with Hutchie and Damo. Tune in for questions tomorrow and to send a question to the boys, email thesoundingboard at sen.com.au, follow the show on Twitter at Sounding Board EP and like the Facebook page. It's all thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise.